0: My favorite definition of an orgasm is a sudden release of sexual tension. When you feel a lot of pent-up sexual tension and you do something that gives you a release, sometimes that's through rapid contractions and a wave of euphoria. Sometimes it's just like a release, like all of a sudden you've had enough. So you can orgasm in your sleep, as Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have done before. So if you can orgasm in your sleep, that means you could, in theory, orgasm from someone touching your nose. Like in the right context, getting your mind in the right space, that's possible for you, right? And then they were so strict here about like the no parties and this. Because in LA, we had lockdowns, but I remember.
1: I heard it was wild in LA too. It was
0: kind of regular. Like I had a pretty big um, baby shower. This is probably like November or no. It was like October 2020. Mm -hmm. And we had like a bump in baby shower. And people were like threatening to like call whoever you call. And we're like, do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. I know that out here, my parents were afraid to like have. Someone dropped something off to the house because they're like, the rules say that you can't do this. Yeah, I was still out, but like... yeah, <laughs> <It> was... Everybody <laughs> was. I mean,
1: there was a window of time, too, where people were getting ticketed for being outside yeah, like walking around. Like, it was random. It was wild.
0: Like, on the street? Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, just literally, if, yeah. if a person was walking to the park, they would get a ticket. A police officer would come I and ticket them.
2: I knew they'd give them driving tickets. I know what, yeah,
0: driving, driving tickets. I know for sure people got
2: driving tickets because they would at the curfew
1: curfew yeah, yeah but like people just walking during the day to the park we're getting tickets that's phenomenal of, what a phenomenal
0: just, time and then we thought it would be like v for vendetta this is the new forever yeah, yeah. and then everybody's just like oh it's good done fuck this mask <laughs>
2: <laughs> then you still have the odd persons to wear a mask
0: i respect those people
2: i just i'm, I'm interested in those people i am interested i, I see I, a like, lot of service
0: ha- workers wearing masks i'm like hmm
1: I get the I use of it a now a lot more, particularly on cl- enclosed spaces like a plane.
2: Yeah, I feel like some, because I know some people, because I work and I bartend as well. Mm. So, you know, there's, there's one girl that um, wear, still wears a mask every once in a while. And I guess when I, cause I was gone for a bit and I came back, I was like, last time I saw you had a mask. So yeah, I like, only wear it sometimes. It's like if I'm feeling sick, I'll, uh, I'll wear it. It's like just in case, like somebody else, who knows somebody else is. That's really,
0: right? yeah, that's, everybody should, right? we should normalize that. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, okay, that makes
0: sense. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: But,
1: Sham hi hi <laughs> welcome to the gen's talk pod
0: we were talking about a topic that would have been so controversial two years ago sometimes i have to remind myself because when you're podcasting with people we want to build this rapport that like we know each other so we're yeah. just chatting very informally about a lot of topics but we're also recording so mm. i was just thinking about we were talking about masks and remember two years ago this you topic could've. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yep was... you, your video would probably get removed and flagged for, yeah
2: for you know 100 you, different We weren't, weren't allowed to disagree Right, which is which is a crazy thing.
0: Because if you would have made that comment about you know questioning people with masks a year and a half ago, you would have been an anti-masker, <sighs> and we'd have to hate you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that we have moved ahead and now we can be friends still. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: but you talked. To, you were talking a little bit earlier before we started recording about relationships that happened during the pandemic. Yes. Okay. So you're briefly you're the your Bumble's sex and relationship expert
0: put a sound effect on that (laughs) and then you host the lovers
1: and friends podcast yes i do which i'm a big fan of oh my goodness are you just saying
0: that to be flirty because it's really working
1: (laughs) no i promise you i listen to the episodes. oh thank you so much um and then you do a whole bunch of other stuff you also have a new show coming up
0: yes i have a new show show coming out on roku it's called the marriage pact i'm the host of it have you guys ever made a marriage pact before
1: as in like uh, uh, if
2: if you're not married and think by 36 you'll get married
0: yes Uh, no You've never had a friend I before? I think in like high school. I've had a friend before. Yes. It.
1: Yeah. And it was just like, hey, if we're 30 and we don't, and neither of us are married and we still know each other, maybe we'll do it.
0: And then you turn 30, you're like, this is young. Yeah. I'm not giving <laughs> up and going back to Susie <laughs> well, from sixth grade. <laughs> well, listen,
1: I've been married and divorced, so that's a whole other conversation. <gasps> oh. Yeah. <laughs> but the, super excited to have you here.
0: Oh, thank you very firstly. much.
1: Firstly. Um, Now, I immediately want to jump into the conversation we were just having about relationships that started during the pandemic. So can you maybe share what your perspective is on that?
0: Yeah, I think that relationships that began during the pandemic should be treated similarly to vacation-based relationships or, in extreme cases, reality TV show-based relationships, where you are bonded together in an artificial environment that is not reflective of your real life and so as a result you'll find that a lot of vacation relationships can't last because it was based on a flow based on a culture that was not consistent with either person's real life and i think the same thing with the pandemic people got into these relationships and The culture that they had, their lifestyle, their value system was not reflective of what they actually are like day to day, you know, long term. So I know a lot of people who got into pandemic related relationships that out of that now are not lasting or are on their last thread and they really can't figure out why. And this really came to mind for me when I heard about the Ariana Grande And her partner's divorce, which I should always remember the partner's name. I think it's very rude not to. But um, her and her husband at the time divorced. And the reason that he cited was I didn't realize how famous she was. I'm paraphrasing here. But in essence, like her fame became too much. And people were like, what are you, stupid? How could you not have known? (laughs) And then I was reminded of that um, psychological theory of what you see is all that there is even if there is other information out there or other realities whatever is right in front of us right now is all the brain is focused on and it has the the tendency to copy and paste and think okay this is how it is now this is how it's going to be forever Mm -hmm. and obviously within those two years you really can't say that at all because almost everything has changed in a short amount of time
1: it's interesting because i met my current girlfriend in the pandemic and we bonded immediately And I think we are in that phase now where we're kind of learning what it's like to be out of the pandemic. She goes back to the office every so often, you know, trying to understand the different dynamics of now who we are as individuals and as a couple now that the pandemic is over and we're out and about and doing our thing so it's interesting to hear someone say that because i don't think i've ever heard it articulated that way well
0: mm-hmm. tell me all about your relationship how did you guys <laughs> meet you met did you meet online and then we met online but on a bumble um
1: okay, i, I, I was here. on bumble but it, it didn't work for me uh we ended up meeting on tinder actually okay but i hated it i hated every like I hated the concept of a dating app because as soon as I turned it on, it just felt like every person on there was just trying to get me to follow their Instagram or subscribe to their OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. And That's
0: what happens when you go on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> There's no real connection there. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead.
1: No, um, but the, as soon as I, I, I downloaded it, I think I deleted it the next day. Mm -hmm. And then I realized we're in the middle of a pandemic. How am I going to meet anybody? So
0: you went crawling back.
1: I went crawling back about a week later. And then her and I met. Her name is Mila. And uh, we hit it off. And three years later, here we are. But it was interesting because we really had no choice. Not in a negative way, but we had no choice but to sit in front of each other at all times, essentially, and get to know each other. Like really get to know each other you know you couldn't get distracted by let's go to a restaurant sure you can go out to maybe a patio here or there but you weren't doing that very often and there was something about how the world was going crazy around us that um it kind of sorry this fly is just like bothering me <laughs> I keep seeing it there it is i got it um We'll cut that part out. <laughs> but there was something about the world going For crazy. For the record, or,
0: though, he did kill the fly. I did. And
1: you know, maybe I'll swipe, keep it in. The
2: first swipe, you yeah. got it, too. Maybe I'll <laughs> keep that part in. You, you know what you got to do? I saw this trick. is. like when someone drops something and he catches you. Catch it, you're like Do you want doing do one of these? Like the Spider-Man? <laughs> I saw him do that. In like a, it was like in an open space and nobody really saw him. So it's just like it's a weird thing to just.
0: It doesn't seem like it would be very like the surface area. Right. Yeah. Just, what do you get? No,
2: no. You catch it. And then you like you check if you're Spider-Man.
1: Oh, you like doing like, oh, doing I, like, I a, like a check you like, yeah. oh, am I because the like reflexes, reflexes are so quick. Is, yeah, I'm,
0: you saw man. someone do that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> his reflexes kicked in. I saw we got to unpack end end that there.
0: a different time. <laughs> I can't even go there. <laughs> that, is, that is that is cool, man, That man. would be cool. I should have done that.
1: Um, but yeah, so the world was collapsing around us essentially, and there was kind of something about that chaos happening that really focuses you. And so when you're sitting in front of your partner and you're having these long conversations, you're really spending real time with the person i feel like our and we talk about this all the time our relationship was expedited Mm -hmm. because we spent more meaningful time together than we would have if we were going out to movies and bars and clubs and restaurants and you name it
0: yeah i think That probably the reason why I can use the reference of reality stars because I've interviewed so many of them and they'll cite exactly what you just said just that acceleration of the relationship the the amount of quality time you get and the opportunities for vulnerability because you guys are in a very stressful time so you have to lean on each other in a way that you probably wouldn't traditionally and you guys are going through the same stress which usually takes people a long period of time before they're equally invested in some type of tragedy in the person's life right? right so now you do that together at the same time that creates this really special bond but we can't negate the fact that relationships don't just occur between you and me even if we're monogamous there's thousands millions of people in every relationship you know social influences family and friends and past behaviors and your parents what they did so when you're just in those like isolated environments we're, we're having a false sense of reality that it's just us when it, it really never is so it's great that you guys are weathering the storm of mm-hmm. other influences and other competing priorities because that can be really difficult to transition into
1: well yeah the the other competing priorities that become work have become you know again, the ability to go out and and have those other relationships with friends and family and priorities competing with one another and whatnot. So I definitely see how that's added a new layer to the relationship where now we're trying to navigate that. But I always, whenever we come across one of those rocky moments or those turbulent times, it's always a reminder of it's not me versus her. It's me and her versus the problem. Yes. And so we try to externalize what that problem is put it to the side and look at it and go, okay, how do we tackle this together as a unit type of thing? And I find that that's always helped because mm-hmm. then it takes us both out of that you're at fault for something.
0: Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. It's interesting though, as a no matter how much you say that and rationalize it, when you're in an argument, oh, yeah. you <laughs> still get that, oh, yeah. like I've gotten a lot better with my husband at apologizing in arguments, but it is going to be the stalest apology you have ever heard. Mm. Like it's going, because it's taking everything inside of me not to be like... <gasps> your mom's an idiot and so are you and I hate everybody that you've ever known you. Like, it's just, but I said, I'm like, I'm really sorry. And then he's like, well, why are you saying that and bleeding? Cause I'm like, it's so hard for <laughs> me to your do this look like that? <laughs> because it's just a fight or flight that comes out of us. But yes, the ability to see that and to have that in the moment, especially in stressful times, I think is a real difference making relationships. So congrats. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. So I want to know particularly what we're seeing in terms of trends in the dating scene. For the singles. For the singles.
0: Matthew, are you a single? <laughs> yes. Yeah? Well, that's yeah.
1: the fastest you've said it since we've started filming a year ago. Well, the, okay. It's always, said, okay. it, it's gotten progressive. <laughs> that was faster. actually pretty slow. <laughs> I thought it was. You know, it's the still, it's it's like, you been. know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good. We want a single here so yeah, that we, about, we got like, a case study.
2: Here's my thing from, in terms of case study. I was in, I went to, I went to London last year. And I was like, you know, I'm in London for a week. Let me just try these dating sites. I never really give them, like, a shot, Can you know? share
0: their story with the accent?
2: And, uh, oh, no, I don't have a London accent.
0: You can give it a little try, can't oh. you? All right, so I was in London last year.
2: I was in London last year. All right, all right. <laughs> oh, for the whole story? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was in London last year, right? And, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm it. I'm not good at it. I'm not
1: good at I'm not good at it. Yeah, I into it. Just, like, jump into it.
2: I was in London last year, right? And... I went on all the sites. And so, I'm terrible. At, no, I'm, I'm, it got I'm, a little I'm Irish. I did. I like, know, know, yeah. like, I know I'm terrible. terrible. Like and
0: Irish is hard to do, so yeah. that I, was I'm good. Like, I know I'm
2: terrible at accidents. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going
0: to let you back out, Matthew. Just yeah, tell the I story regularly. <laughs> <that. laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, somebody let me try them out. So I tried Tinder. It was Tinder, Bumble, and Hitch. And um, Tinder is, like, still Tinder. Tinder's been, I guess, Tinder would have been for the whole time. So I was like, ah, Tinder was born. Um, but I, then I found, over there, like, Bumble was, like, really... It was more interactive I found like I was uh, doing very well like a lot more a lot more interactions with people that were genuine in bumble versus hinge there
1: well bumble also like it's at least for me it woman's was, first yeah yes exactly and I like that because but he, here I find it's hinge yeah hinge more than bumble here
0: mm.
2: so because when I came back I was like all right well, let me just let me let me stick on the bumble because we are in bumble here like, oh, let me see what's popping like you, know, you get kind of used to being out for a little bit I come back I am like oh bumble's not really it's not like it wasn't getting the same interactions I guess I, f- I felt when I got used to from when I was over there mm-hmm. when I go on Hinge and like it was like it was like they flipped maybe it's just area I don't know like why would
0: I could see that I can see the, the cultural consensus I mean it's usually I've heard from a lot of people that mm-hmm. you go on the major apps and you sort of see the same players right you know you might be like oh I saw you over on Bumble or I saw you on Hinge I saw you on this but I think that the culture of the people who are serious and looking for meaningful connections they're looking for their kind and i think when we find a space sometimes it gets infiltrated by the people trying to take advantage of those people Then you got to move somewhere else Mm. and then you're there for a bit then you can move back somewhere else so i can totally see what you're saying where there just tends to be uh more of a cultural favor towards one app or the other but i don't think it's like consistent over time okay because I can see that, like, yeah, when I was dating, Bumble was, like, the place to be. And I think that now that the changes that they're making are starting to bring that community and crowd back. Because um, I think that we're all just trying to avoid the people who want you to follow their page and who are just looking for, even if it's just sex, but at least a meaningful, reciprocal, ethical experience. I think those that's where we're trying to go to find those people.
2: This is what I didn't like about Bumble. I Because Bumble's like, the girl has to message first, right? Yes. But all they do is message, they'll say, hey. But then the know. guy still has to mess. so it's it's still the guy having to like message. It's like it's just like you're saying, okay, you're allowed to talk to me now.
0: Yeah, well, that's speaking to the culture of women not but, having game.
2: But but it's, I know. But then they talk about how guys don't have yeah. any, because like, but it's hard. Clearly, because you guys just say hey. Yeah. It's just like okay, now you're allowed to. It's like well, this should be maybe a two prompt for for women because like maybe that's just say, like that's what it is because it just they well, just you know say hey and expect do? you to just oh now now it's like. It's like, well, that's not the point of this. If you you're should just dignify them with a response. If you're supposed to message first, should, you should, that, it yeah. should be a real authentic message. Same way as when we have to message you first. We got to just hit you with a hey. Mm-hmm. If I hit you with a the hey, there's nothing. I'm getting, no, I'm getting no response back. I'd be like, yeah, like whatever you, whatever, whatever you got to say to get a reaction or get a response, you got to say something more than hey. But I feel like bumble, well, girls just say hey, and say like, okay, cool, now I can talk. Like, you know? And it's just like, come on. That's why that, sorry, that's why I didn't
0: like You were not the first person to make this complaint. <laughs> and I think that's a very valid one to make. Mm-hmm. And I have, of course, heard it in the inverse. That dudes just message and just say, hey, or they say, what's up, sexy? Or just one emoji and there's nothing to go off of. Mm-hmm. So let's set the record straight right now. Let's teach them. This is yes. a cross-gender conversation. Mm-hmm. How do you effectively start a dialogue where the intention is, I'm romantically interested in you, or I'm interested to see if there's a romantic connection between us?
1: So how? Well,
0: I don't know. I'll get... I'll get I have my obvious answers. I want to hear your guys' first.
1: In my case, so with Mila, it was commenting on the fact that she had a photo of a place that I wanted to visit. So what'd you say? I just asked her. I'm like, is this Biblos in Lebanon? And she's like, no. it's uh, Sorry, is this Petra in Jordan? She's like, no, it's Biblos in Lebanon. And I'm like, oh, I'm from Lebanon. And then it just so happened that from that moment on, we never stopped talking. But the, the conversation wasn't around looks. It wasn't around some comment it was very much a genuine curiosity followed by oh interesting when were you there and like an actual genuine conversation that's what worked for me like the genuineness of that
2: Mm.
0: i think that that's a really great example too of what so bumble has right now a campaign that's called you know kindness is sexy Mm -hmm. and they're declaring this the summer of kindness and it starts with them uh, they have a new feature called compliments in which it's not about matching with somebody because on Bumble, you know you have to equally match in order to say something to the person. But if you're even just browsing someone's page and you're like, oh, that person's a really cool photo or I like their surfboard. Um, even if you don't have an interest in matching, or maybe you do, you can just send that compliment. And it's just a way just to start these benign conversations or just to share kindness with no expectation. But what I love about your story is it was like a little bit of poker, right? So you asked a question, then she gave an answer. It could have died there. Mm-hmm. But then you're like oh i'll give a bit more i'm actually from there and then she could have let it die there but then she's like no now i'll give a bit more and so you guys did this dynamic where you gave people opportunities to either opt in or opt out and both of you kept coming back to the table and so i think that's cool because you know that there was reciprocal interest
1: absolutely and i really think that the the t- the reason that was successful was because we were also both working from the lens of we're on here not because we want to to be on here it's more so we're on here to find a genuine connection Mm -hmm. and once that requirement was met there was no longer a need to continue chatting on the app Mm -hmm. i think maybe it comes down to people's expectations of what they're going into the app for there are some people who are on the app literally just to have sex Mm -hmm. that's it and if that's the case that's cool right and then there are some people who are on there to find their love story right they're happily ever after that's also cool I think it comes down to expectations but also just being very clear about what you are and what you're looking for the big range in the middle there too yes I I feel
2: like that is it's obviously the gray area but like that I think that I feel like it's 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 if you can't if you're not looking for your happily ever after then it's like that must mean you're just looking for sex like well no 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 I'm not like you know I feel like there's there's no leeway for that gray area I feel like it's either one or the other when you're saying that what's
0: your answer what do you mean what are you looking for? I don't know.
2: But I usually say that too, though. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking
1: for. Um, yeah. Um, so, so, how do you find the response to that when you say you don't know?
2: Uh, receptive, because it's like like I'm like because so it's very it's very conversational. I'm like, yeah, obviously get to know, see how how you're doing quickly, just to someone like, to get to because for me I still have to see you in person yeah. and I have to have a conversation with. so I don't like I don't know anything until I because like. And I and I can't and I can't for me it's like I can't even take it seriously I guess until I meet you in person.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's just like I don't know. Like we can talk. Do we do we have good banter at least enough here to meet in person? Can we have a conversation? And how and how are you in person?
1: Banter is important. Yeah. yeah.
2: But then but then it's hard too because some people just aren't good text banters, but really good conversational banters.
0: Or the inverse happens or, or quite the, a bit.
2: Yeah, and it's so so it's just it's just so hard because it's you it's 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 a different person in person. Different.
0: Yeah. Well, that speaks to the fact that some people use dating apps as meeting apps. So Mm. they're not even looking to form an opinion about someone. They're just looking to meet people, to meet up with them, to then form an opinion Mm. of, is this something? Do we have something going on here? Um, I think that dating apps are incredible. I think the problem with dating apps in general is that people don't have the basics down when it comes to how to start meaningful romantic connections hence why they're messaging, hey. <laughs> um, so what happens, I think, is the car keeps getting fancier and more tricked out and more expensive, but the drivers are not getting any better. They don't know the basics. Mm-hmm. And so then all the tools don't really matter.
1: It's like Toronto drivers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I will say that if I was dating you and you said, oh, I'm like, what are you looking for? And you said, I don't know. I don't think I'd like that. Mm. Why not? Um, even if you said something like, I want to meet people who make me excited to talk to them again. It doesn't have to be anything like big, but just some type of directiveness of like, mm. I want to meet people who teach me something new. And from there, let's keep having fun and figure out what that looks like in terms of a relationship structure down the line. You know, we'll naturally organically do that. But I kind of want some some inclination as to like w- why you're here. What, what drew you to an app where... We're taking out the biggest thing when it comes to dating, right? Like when you're a single person, I think the hardest thing is navigating the world, not knowing who's taken and who's not, who's interested and who's unavailable. So I think that the fact that you're on an app and we're both saying, "Okay, I am open to make these kinds of connections. Cool. That's a huge hurdle. That's huge that you've overcome. Now, second it's taking out the second huge hurdle. Are you interested in me? Like not even if you want anything further from me, but do you find me romantically interesting to some capacity? The only way we chat is if we have that moment where I say yes to you, you say yes to me. So that's really cool. I think you should be able to take it from there in terms of what next mm-hmm. or why, why next? Sorry. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I never responded to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so
1: is there is there, I guess, suggestions that you would have for guys out there that are on these apps maybe don't have the banter? Like, what's a good way to introduce yourself on an app?
0: I love your way. I think that's the perfect way. Take a second, look through that person's profile, identify something interesting, and comment on that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, look through their photos, look through their about me. It doesn't have to take you long. I do that whenever I send a cold email, right? If I'm sending an email for people for business or whatever, I always start at the top with something that says that I took more than... Five seconds to get to know you. I actually had a call recently with somebody who wanted to do post-production for me. And they reached out to me. And then we're talking on the call. And then about 20 minutes in, I was like, have you ever watched my podcast? And she's like, no, but I, I will after this. Bitch, I'm not talking to you again. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, if you can't take that amount of time. So I just think that that's a huge thing, too. Like, show me that this that I'm a person, that you care about the person behind this, that this isn't just some kind of stale, mechanical process for you where you sift through people like a deck of cards. Like, I'm a human being, so mm-hmm. give me a moment. doesn't have to be 30 minutes, but like three minutes to show that you showed some kind of care I think goes a very long way. So can, as, whenever possible, I think that's the best way to go. But also just saying, and then secondly to that, is saying something kind. That doesn't feel like it has an expectation attached to it. Right, like Mm -hmm. you know, when you're walking by someone and you just see like nice shoes, yeah, and it's not you can tell the person's not asking for anything from you. They just want to give you a moment of joy. They want to give you a moment to say like you're doing something well in this world. I think that's nice too.
1: What are you seeing from? I want to I want to jump to your podcast for a second. You do a lot of interviews with different gents who openly talk about you know expressing vulnerability and their emotions and whatnot. And there's this tug of war in society eh, between what it means to be a man and there's a lot of noise on either side of that spectrum it's a wide spectrum it's only getting bigger a lot of men in my from my perspective are just somewhere in the middle they just want to be happy they just want to live happier lives they want to be in better relationships they want they don't want to feel anger depression and those types of negative thoughts but from the from where you're standing and the conversations that you have what are you seeing in that space
0: Something similar. When you just said right now that the definition is only getting wider, I think that's really great news. Um, I'm reading Sapiens right now. Have you guys read Sapiens?
1: Yeah, Ural is that his name? The, I the have
0: author? No idea. You I don't thing? know Ariana Grande's <laughs> husband's name, ex husband name. <laughs> I don't know the author's name. Um, but I listened to a podcast. I listened to the Knowledge Project, mm-hmm. and um, by Farm Street, I think. But there, one of the guests was a phenomenal guest. He's an angel investor. He recommended the book, and so I didn't even. I just went and listened to it. And yeah. so, anyways, met the point in the book where they're talking about gender differences, and so in essence. Gender is a social construct, um, (laughs) which it genuinely is, right? Like the idea of what a man is or what a woman is is all just culture by cultural based on, and a lot of it is informed by biological truths and norms that are not constructs. Like that, that is what it is. But um, there are so many gray areas and nuances and descriptions that we culturally agree upon. So I think it's normal for men to say, "I don't agree with that," or "I really agree with this," and you know, find and create their own definition somewhere and. All of this is okay. Like we don't have to have a singular, unified definition of what a man is supposed to be. Like I don't think we should have one of what a woman is supposed to be either. And I don't know what the value is in that. I guess there was value years ago when you had very like limited social roles and so you had to be more stringent about social definitions of what fits in those roles. But I don't know. I think it's okay to be flexible. What do you guys think?
2: Go ahead. Absolutely, because everybody's different. Right, and everybody's raised differently so how you are raised is going to really affect how... and like this sh- like even people like put like genders towards certain things and activities how could like inanimate objects it's like how does how does that work right it's, it's, I just think that we are just ourselves and it doesn't really matter who thinks I know otherwise
0: and that's the thing is we never even have the conversation about like what's masculine and what's feminine I find that people don't even really know what they're talking about like they just like they're making like a man is authoritative and a woman is nurturing but a man is also protecting and providing like, and that's have the, nurturing isn't it you' all right?
2: the, the same action but if it's <laughs> if it's a guy' it's, it's this and if it's a girl it's maybe that but it's the exact same it's the same yeah, right maybe you can maybe assertive some really is like oh, okay that that guy strong mask and then if, if if it's a female super assertive it might be like oh my color bitch, or something like that but like it's the same same action why is one applauded or not applauded why is the mask why is how's one masculine one's feminine it's the same person same like action
0: Right, and the woman's a an nag, and yeah. the dude is power. I mean, all of it just to say that, like, I don't think there's any like clear-cut definitions. We've all, again, socially agreed upon like what does feminine and masculine mean, but I don't really know what the value is of being like I'm 65 percent masculine and 35 percent. It's bad math. There is that good math. That might have been right. 35. Beach, yes. <laughs> uh, that to be said, I think these conversations are interesting because I think that you should hear all different kinds of perspectives. Yeah. I do think it's obviously culturally important to feel like you belong to a particular group and so if you're being ousted by a group because you're not exhibiting enough qualities that they've agreed upon as masculine or so forth then it is important to assimilate I think we're social animals we have to care what other people think and so hearing different people's perspectives on these norms that are very apparent in our society and probably will be for a long time is not a bad thing I don't shy away from the conversation I don't think it's stupid Um, I just like really i don't know i just i don't have so much skin in the game where i'm like this is the right way i think it's beautiful what you said if your goal is to be a happy well-adjusted person who doesn't struggle with depression who feels like they're good to others and in return people are good to them whether that to me that makes you a real person um and that's what's most important in this world
1: well it's interesting because anytime i have this conversation with other guys when i tell them things like you know you can still be a strong powerful man and still express vulnerability, still express to the people yes. closest to you in your circle that it's okay to not be okay that you know your relationship is failing, it's okay to confide in your closest friend, in a therapist, in your family. that that somehow for them feels like it's taking away from their masculinity. And in some cases, when you have that conversation with them and you sort of break it down for them, like in really simple terms, like you'll say you got fired from your job and now you're feeling anxious on the inside. Does that somehow mean you're less of a man because you're feeling anxious and you admit to it? No. And you see this like realization come across and they're like, oh, I've never really thought about it that way because as guys were quick to associate anger as the only emotion that we know how to convey. And when we had J.P. Sachs on, he talked about how guys often turn like they assume like when it comes to, to intimacy they associate intimacy with sex and if they're not having sex they don't know how to be intimate with a partner and the minute they realize that you can be intimate with your partner without actually having sex without it being physical again it's like unlocking a whole new world for them
0: yes you know i've been talking a lot about recently is decoupling sexual pleasure from orgasm and this concept for men in particular, mm-hmm. because women are encouraged to do this through erogenous zones, right? Like through the the conversations around foreplay that are constantly having, but even further to that, like self-care and subjective well-being and catering to yourself or massage, touching yourself. And so the way that a lot of women learn about their various erogenous zones or they work really hard at decoupling sexual pleasure and satisfaction from orgasm only is through long masturbation sessions that are explorative. So it's like spending a lot of time on your neck or, you know, on your temples or whatever it is in your shoulders. And so I was having this conversation with a male sex coach and I was like, well, how do men do something similar? Like, how do you, how do you find out that for you it's really erotic when somebody massages your armpits? Like, how are you supposed <laughs> to find that out? And he's like, men should do the same thing. I was like, I, can I imagine a dude just like spending no. an hour naked in front of the mirror just <laughs> touching his armpits and be like, does this feel good for me? And why not though? right like if it's your body like i think that i had a partner like that before who just only saw sex sexual interactions as meaningful if they were moving rapidly towards orgasm so if you were kissing or teasing aiming for a target yeah so if if you're spending a lot of time like on their arms they're like i'm not going to orgasm from this so let's get through this and get to the thing that's going to get me there right it's like that's not what sex is about or what it has to be about so I, th- I think it's interesting in terms of what you were talking about and t- broaden the definition of intimacy. Even if we just talk about sex as a form of intimacy, we can also broaden a definition of what does pleasure look like within that framework.
1: You were quick to say no. Why what was it saying no to again?
0: Massaging <laughs> yourself naked in the mirror Oh, slowly. I agree. Like, yeah,
2: I'm saying you agree that you don't see men doing that. That's what I was going to say. No, well, no, you, you don't. do it. I could give it a shot. Like, on like. That's why I love having these conversations because after we talked with sex, uh, with this uh, sex therapist uh, Dr. Jess and she gave the book you start reading.
0: <gasps> I love Dr. Jess.
2: Yeah, and it's just you just start yeah, learning probably. so many things and it's just like oh man, it's just but like we're not we're not taught these things. Right. We're not like it. There's no, there's no like I feel like women are more, I like, guess taught more like how to really explore the, their own body like their whole body, and guys are just more just like oh, gotta get a nut off. So it's like it's, it's when you read like these these like talking about the Rogers they've been talking about like there's like 12 different orgasms for women and like how many are for men?
0: And infinite. I mean, an orgasm is um, like different types,
2: like different types.
0: You could say for women, like, yeah, that there's like different spots or but I think it's the same. It's a my favorite definition of an orgasm is a sudden release of sexual tension. When you feel a lot of pent up sexual tension and you do something that gives you a release. Sometimes that's through rapid contractions and a wave of euphoria. Sometimes it's just like a release, like all of a sudden you've had enough. So you can orgasm in your sleep, as I'm mm-hmm. sure you have done before. So if you can orgasm in your sleep, that means you could in theory orgasm from someone touching your nose. Like in the right context, getting your mind in the right space, that's possible for you, right?
2: Yeah. That shit sounds cold. <laughs> that shit sounds sick. Like <laughs> like but it's again, like we're not we're not there's, there's no, I feel like there's no world for us as men to even learn that or even be, like you know, like every t- every time you said like a male male, you said talking to male sex coach. Yeah, and his name is
0: Alex Grundy. You guys should have him we on. We should He's have because really I feel I like every every,
2: every every single time, like I'm hearing about sex, it's always from like a female. Yes. Right. Like even like growing up it was like it was like so- doctor doctor uh, Sue Johansson. Yes, just right? passed. R.I.P. Yes. But it's it's always it's always been a woman, right? So it's just like and then it's it's and I find like it's always been more. Like how to it's 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 never like when they talk about pleasing your own, like pleasure your body it's, it's never really talking about men like it's never really talking about like try to find your erogenous zones on yourself and take time and, and like when you masturbate to really like make it a make make it a make it a moment I feel like for at least for me like you know masturbation it's, it's functional most of the time it's like all right man like two thirty and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go jerk off quick and then come back right but it's never it's never like a, I feel so like I feel so pretty right now I feel so nice I just want to enjoy myself I'm gonna sit there and really really take my time with myself and I feel like. But women do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There are also conversations you're not really having with your boys.
0: Not at all. <laughs> yeah, like I masturbated. you you're for just four yeah, You're yeah, just talking about like yeah, yeah. I
1: jerked off. Like you know, it's, how it's, many it's, times it's,
0: did you not? Not once.
1: Yeah,
2: it's you feeling okay? Yeah. <laughs> we're not sitting there like we're talking about jerking off. Yeah, I jerked off. Like you know, but it's it's never it's never like.
0: Does that is that a casual ask amongst men? Do no. You jerk off? Yeah, I jerked off. I don't think it's a
2: casual ask, but like.
1: It's always it's always done in, in in passing in a humorous way.
2: Yeah, I want to go jerk
1: off feedback or something like that. Like yeah, yeah. What'd you do today? I watched some
2: TV, jerked off, and uh, made a couple phone calls. Right, now, so but if you actually was like, yeah, this is
1: what I did at this time. Is I that
0: normalized, this. Samir? Are you are you casually telling your friends you jerked off no. when they ask you what you did? I think that's just a you thing.
1: <laughs> it might just be, yeah, maybe, may
0: but I, I
2: said, right. Hey.
0: I've overheard a few male conversations. I've never heard anyone uh, be like, I hey, you know, I'm just gonna jerk off a little bit later. Probably get something to eat. And, what about you?
2: I'm waiting <laughs> maybe, for my food. Maybe it's just me that casually <laughs> that casually says it. But either way, but like, but then it's always just like, yeah, it's funny because like everybody jerks off, right? Yeah. So it's like, but it's 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 never like no one's ever really talking about the same thing like women will talk about like going and, and being full with themselves and like exploring their own bodies and guys are not really like in that conversation
0: right yeah and who loses out we do everybody does I well guess, guys right? are
1: just not generally talking about intimacy and sex in general
0: yes yeah. unless it's more just. It's just, just like, like they the talk acts. about sex like the it's act. sports yeah, it's like, like what act. are the stats did
2: it, did it happen it's more like did it happen not how right. it happened
0: and how many times did you make her come yeah yeah and... so you
2: just did it happen did you come did you go like where was a very like but not like you know how, how'd you feel like or, like what'd you what, how'd you set the room up like was like what, was there music playing never like never asking was the music playing when like you know that's not a question that, that i've ever been asked like was it but i feel like women would be like what was this like paint the story like what was it like like you know and i figure like, if you have more of those conversations you realize okay like that's how you get to know what's going on
0: it's interesting i had another guy Um, I do too hot to handle on Netflix Mm -hmm. and the other expert on there who's a male sex expert, you should also have him on here, is Brendan Durrell. And he was saying that the first time a woman asked him for consent, it was mind-blowing to him. It was like, and it's something that you didn't even realize you've never been asked before until you're asked it. You're like, I've never had somebody ask me before. Like, Mm -hmm. is it okay if I touch your penis? Is it okay if I do this? Like, are you are you do you want to do this and he's like oh wow, i've never had somebody ask you just assume like you're a dude of course you want to be there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a wreck let's go <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i don't think i've ever been asked no. and i don't think i've ever heard anybody tell me they've been asked no
0: do you want to be asked or does it feel i mean you, you don't know until you've had it i think
1: yeah yeah I, I think it would be in the moment but even now with with my girlfriend i don't think i would don't ask just do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think that that I always think about that because I did this group um, sex ed lesson with a group of young girls. And we were talking about consent and uh, was talking about consent before kissing. And they were like, oh, my God, ew, no!" that would just ruin the mood. Just grab me and kiss me. I'm like, see, you're thinking of the one dude you have a crush on. Mm-hmm. You weren't thinking about <laughs> the other people who are hearing this message. And who are thinking that that's going to be romantic? Who are misreading your cues and believing they should just move forward blindly? And then you're put in these awkward social situations, and you don't know why. It's because you it are perpetuating this culture where asking is somehow sexy or counterproductive to the mood. How you ask, of course, right? Like, would I? Would you like me to put my tongue in your <laughs> mouth? It's probably not going to <laughs> whet the appetite, right? Though, but if you're like, oh my god, like your lips are so sexy, like, I can I touch them? You know, like, there's something that you could do that creates just the delivery. Yeah. yeah, the delivery. Right can actually be a part of the experiences and have to take you out of the experience.
1: When you talk about rom- like romance, can you maybe share your insight on what you're seeing in reality versus what Hollywood paints as romantic? The happily ever after versus what's actually happening in relationships today?
0: I do think that they're doing a better job now of telling more nuanced stories of what romance can look like. But we have to keep in mind that movies have an hour and a half to wrap this shit up, right? So you gloss over a lot of things and then arguments are had and resolved and then they don't come back around again. Where, as we know, in relationships, you probably are having the same argument for 20 years, right? So that idea that things get completed right like we got over that problem Whew! now we can move on i think a big aha that i had uh, actually while making a podcast with another male guest i uh, was speaking with i'm just name dropping like a motherfucker uh, <laughs> nick vial and we were talking about safety within a relationship and i had the aha and I'm like safety is not the absence and this is the hollywood thing this is the guy i'm going to get the answer to your question i think the hollywood conception that they tried to portray is that once you get into a good relationship, you'll no longer feel insecure, you will no longer have trust issues with the other person, you will no longer feel doubt, you will no longer feel, feel fear. And I think the truth is, once you get into a good relationship, you'll be insecure but you can manage that with the other person. You'll still have fears, but you and that person will work through those fears together. And there's no finite answer to that, right? There's no like, okay, good, we got over our insecurities. They're gonna keep coming up one after the other after the other. It's not the absence of, but it's the ability for them to be present and for that to be okay. And for someone to say, I love you still, and I'm still here and in this with you. Uh, And let's continue to work on this, even though this problem may never go away because we're just naturally insecure people. We're naturally fearful people. We naturally have issues with trust. So all of those things are just an inherent part of humanity. So they're gonna be inherent parts of relationships. And so when you're with the right person and if you feel that shit, that doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place.
1: A lot of guys, expressing that level of vulnerability to them makes them feel like their partner will not be romantically interested in
0: them. Oh, tell me more.
1: I think a lot of guys I've spoken to and there have been times in my life where I thought that if I express myself emotionally and albeit to be fair, when I was younger, it was sort of just raw emotions, unfiltered, not thought through. But in a lot of scenarios, there's guys who whenever they try to express that emotion, they feel that it's either shut down or they're somehow viewed as not capable of being that male provider. And I think that's, at least from the guys I've spoken to, that's why they shy away from those conversations, at least with their partners. And they'd rather have that conversation with someone else, if at all. Is there any advice that you can share to overcome that, either to the recipients or the person who's trying to express that vulnerability?
0: Yeah. And to do this, I'm going to quote one other person, because I think I'm just showing you the power of having authentic, honest conversations with people who are different from you. In this case, I'm talking about gender. So I've had a lot of really great conversations with men about these topics. And I was speaking with Ab and Preacher, also Canadian, if you guys aren't familiar. But they were saying that if you liken male vulnerability to the women's sexual revolution, you can see a lot of crossover, right? So women will often feel as if they've cheapened themselves if they give up sex too early. And that can be held over their head, right? Then that might change a man's perception of you very quickly, right? You gave up sex too early and now I see you differently. Similarly to vulnerability where it's like, oh, you were weak with me. Now I'm not sure if I can trust you to protect my family if we have kids ever. Whatever that extreme example is. And just like the women's sexual revolution, there are a lot of men who are not on board. And I think we see that now that many of you guys have podcast mics in front of your faces. Like, oh, shit, a lot of you guys are way back in the 40s. I thought you came with me. Um, And that's okay, right? So you almost have to vet for that. And as somebody who talks about sex for a living and who entered into this space, I always got to ask that question, like, how do you find anyone who wants to date you, right? Like, aren't men intimidated? Don't men find it a turn off? And I'm like, some do, but I don't fuck those dudes. You know what I mean? I would know pretty early on, and I have to vet for that. So I have to be aware of the quality of life that I want to have, of who I am, how that goes against cultural norms, and be on the lookout for people who are not down and haven't done the work. And I think, unfortunately, similarly, I think men have to do that, too okay, I want to show up authentically in my relationships. I want to cry. I don't want to always be strong. And I think that not being strong is a strength because I'm willing to say I need help and I want to get better. And I trust you enough and respect you enough to be part of that process. That's cool to me. That's intimacy to me. Have you done the work to see it the same way? Or are you still back in the 40s? You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know what those what that questioning sounds like. Like, what do I say to that? I know what it sounds like for me in terms of trying to see, are you on board with me? Are you part of the sexual revolution? Like, do you look at my understanding of my body as sexy? Do you look at my joy and delight in my body as something that ki- maintains my purity in a very different form? So I have to do that work there. What does that look like for you guys to ensure that You have safe spaces. And I hate that because it puts the onus on you to look for those where, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm doing my part as I can to try to get women to understand that there is a lot of work they have to do. We had an episode on lovers and friends that was all about male vulnerability, and the basic crux of it was that so many men have tried it the way that society is pushing it down their throats—like be more open, be more vulnerable—and they did, and they got burned really, really bad.
2: Yeah, use it like it's like time to look at. Then they'll use it back against. So, oh, and that time you were crying about this is like what do you like? What does that have to do with anything? Well, this yeah, what, like how like like it's like how dare like it's just like I would open up to you, and now that this is an argument about something else, you're gonna use that like.
1: Also I'm not saying
2: nothing ever again like you know and that and that's and that's that's where the process comes from and then there's right? also
1: the component of if let's say you come to me and you tell me not specifically yeah, you yeah. and I but if you were to come and tell me hey I tried to be vulnerable with my partner last night and express that I'm anxious I'm nervous whatever the case may be and she threw it in my face it's like the rest of us go, oh, see, that's why we don't do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I, I, yeah. See, remember that happened to that day. Told guy? you not I, to I, do I, it. I, so then
1: you start generalizing. That's so they're
2: all gonna do. It's like there's no point even. There's no point even doing it because I'm just you know that's where it comes from. Like they're not gonna like it because you because it because ha- it happens when you just then you just like shut down. It's like you gotta just just keep going. I guess. Like, I guess <laughs> you
0: think about it's a cost benefit analysis, mm-hmm. right? The cost of that was you had this embarrassing moment where the person threw it in your face, but the benefit was maybe you felt more intimacy with that person. You felt more intimacy with yourself because you said something aloud for the first time and you realized how you actually felt. Maybe you were less stressed about it. Maybe that sparked you to have an important conversation that you didn't even know you had to have with someone completely different. So what was the benefits of opening up in that way? Yeah, the cost was this. I mean, I do this for a living online. Y'all know how many times people, I mean, I'm vulnerable for a living, and it's so interesting to me because, I, I, whatever I post, there'll be some comment underneath there where someone resurfaced an old video or an old piece of content or something I said before and threw it in my face. I'm like, as if I didn't press record and publish. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, I, like I know what I said. I know what I said, <laughs> and I'm. It's. A, I put that out there for a reason. But I think that the the cost of me sharing is that people use it against me or try to find ways to bring me down. But the benefit, I've built a career and a life, and I have built a community of people who trust me and who have modeled themselves after that and have had amazing benefits. I've gone to therapy and are closer to those markers of joy and of peace and of being a good person who feels that they are willing and deserving of goodness from others. So yes, the cost is that once in a while I have these annoying interactions with people online, but the benefit is so much more. And you could do that in a micro way. You know, when you have those instances, oh my God, that's annoying. I didn't realize this person still had some work to do. It's on them, right? Mm They fell back into a corner, um, and they went back to their old programming. It's like when your computer is messed up, it's like, you remember Windows used to do that? It's like, I'd like to restore to Windows 97. They're <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> like, yeah, it's 2010 now. Uh, so they did that. They got into an argument with you, and they're like, i got to go back to my old programming yeah. and default to that. And then they said something stupid, and they threw it in your face because they thought that would hurt you, and maybe it did. Um, that's just more of a reflection on that person. And even though that sucks, I think if you thought of that total experience, you might be like, yeah, that's a small price to pay from what I gained in return. Hopefully.
1: Mm. I think it's interesting because I, w- we're actively trying to change the narrative around men being okay to share those conversations, have those conversations rather with their partners or with a therapist or with their closest circle of friends and that it doesn't somehow take away from their masculinity, right? I think a lot of guys who are in the middle, to go back to that, are still kind of like, I don't really want to deal with the societal noise of what it means to be a man. This is just how I am. But I still want to improve day by day. I want to get better at that. And what we're hoping to achieve is by having these conversations regularly, people can hear these differing perspectives on the same topic and go, okay, this is how this resonates with me. This is why... I can go home tonight and have a conversation with someone. I mean, we see the DMs. We see the messages of like, hey, thanks for posting this. I went and I had a conversation with my partner. Hey, I saw this conversation with so-and-so. I was actually having thoughts of harming myself. I'm realizing that there's a benefit. There's a light at the end of the tunnel type of thing. What are you doing through your podcast, through your work? To further encourage those kinds of conversations because you've said that you have so many of these talks with men about vulnerability
0: yeah I think that there's beauty in the work that you guys are doing and I I hope that I'm contributing in the ways of making people think I always say that the purpose of the work that we're doing isn't to prescribe and diagnose one we're not licensed to do that and two there's no value in me diagnosing a person I've never met before hello internet stranger Instead, we're just trying to start jump off points for you to be like, that's an interesting point. How do I feel about that? Mm-hmm. I think just providing opportunities for people to think about life in a very different way. Um, I think with the masculinity conversation, things similar to women have to constantly do this. I mean, we, we all do. We're, we're social creatures, try to fit ourselves into these boxes of social norms. And it's acknowledging the trade-offs that you're making and then accepting that not everybody is going to be on board with your definition. So I'm gonna just give a loose example of this. I'm swearing a lot in this podcast, right? Many men do not view women who swear as being very ladylike. I am aware when I'm saying like, I don't fuck those dudes, that (laughs) that is like decreasing my validity of being a woman in some men's mind. She's not very ladylike. That's okay. I'm making that trade off consciously, Mm -hmm. right? I have a definition of what womanhood is that I fit inside perfectly. I don't walk around all day wondering or not if my femininity is in check or if I would make the cut. I've already accepted myself. Whatever I do, this is an identifier that I feel very comfortable and safe within. I feel very whole within. I can stretch out and it's flexible. I also acknowledge though that that's my definition. I don't live on a solo island. You may not. See me as very womanly if I'm doing things outside of the usual tropes of what a woman is and I'm okay with that trade-off. Similarly, masculinity, you can for yourself decide and you have to do that. Okay, what is the identity? me I identify me as masculine. No matter what I do, I'm masculine. If I cry, if I throw a tantrum, if I give birth to a baby... That's still masculine to me. That's I'm never going to let myself lose that identifier because it means something to me or just because I feel like I've earned it, whatever your reasoning is. But how do people identify me? That I don't have the control over. And if I'm choosing to do things that maybe aren't traditionally associated with masculinity and some people choose to see me as a result of less masculine, I'm okay with that. Who cares? Right. You might care if you're sleeping with that person, and you really care about their opinion of you. But then I would question the person that you're with. You know, why am I trying to? Yeah, why would I be with the kind of person that would think that? Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So ultimately, it comes down to if the person that you're talking to doesn't like if you're conveying that vulnerability or you're expressing yourself, and that person is not reciproca- reciprocating it or receiving it in a in a nice way then that's not somebody you want to even be having that conversation with to begin with. Yeah, that's that's on them. That's not a partner you want to be with.
0: Yes, it becomes a weed out. Yeah. Right? This becomes an opportunity for me to see a lot sooner that we're actually not a fit. And that's interesting because I think I did two episodes about male vulnerability. At the end of the first one, I was like, I don't know if men should be vulnerable right now because societally, we're not at a place yet where people have really done the work. If I ask women, what books have you read on masculinity, how many conversations have you had with men about their experience, their struggles, what they hear and what they go through? And the answers are sparse at best. Mm -hmm. So like, hey, you guys aren't actually interested. You're interested in prescribing a solution. You're interested in having expectations and demands, but you're not actually interested in empathizing and understanding. Like you're not putting in that work. Mm -hmm. So because there aren't a lot of women that I've come across and um, who are putting in that work, it is a very big ask to say to men, just do it. Just try it, anyways. Um, but the real truth is, it's the cost-benefit thing, and the only way you're going to find out if something is a safe space for you is if you test the waters. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; I think you should test is the right term.
2: Yeah, I don't have to jump in right over Don't deep. It, yeah, just, just give them a little taste. Let us see, see what see what they give back to you. Yeah, start with that. And if and if you get a bad vibe from that, then it's like, nah, like, you know. But, empathize is a big word there.
0: Yeah, be. Find it a turn on to be with somebody who lets you be all of you, right? Like actually be turned on by that. Don't be afraid that you're going to turn that person off. I'm like, no, I'm interested to know, like, can I actually be my full sexual self with you? Yes. Oh, that's hot as hell. Not like, oh, I can't. Okay. Glad I know that. I'm going to tuck my real truth in. So Mm. I think if dudes look at it like that, like I want to find somewhere that I can be as expressive and as me as possible Versus like getting somewhere and then being like well, can I be me and if I am me can I stay like that doesn't seem like the right order
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to go back to, to the the word empathize because I think that's such a powerful Trait to have in a partner um, At the beginning when you asked me sort of about my relationship and what made it work or what makes it work. It's empathy it's I met Mila when we when I was still in the middle of a divorce and th- in those moments, for anyone who's ever been through that, they will tell you it's some of the most gut-wrenching experiences a person can experience. Um, you, you're you anxious from day to day. You don't know what's going to happen. You're dealing with lawyers and finances and all these things. And there were days where I just could not... I didn't want to read an email from the lawyer. But having a partner that empathizes with that and goes, this is a person that's going through a, a current struggle and an ability to say you know it's going to be okay and that doesn't take away from who you are as a person outside of that i'm just using this as an example but that for me i think exemplifies what more men should be looking for is a partner who can empathize with them when they are at their lowest because they inevitably at some point in their life will be at what they assume to be their lowest and in that moment if you don't have a partner that's willing to stay with you at your lowest then you're not with the right person And all those people that you're trying to attract, that you think social media is telling you this is what the ideal woman or partner is supposed to be, it's all a fallacy in that scenario.
0: I agree with you. I disagree with you. But I agree with you. I think that you were lucky to stumble upon somebody who had the skills to manage that specific low, right? Because that's hard. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any lived experience, um, if you don't have any reference points, you don't really even know how to empathize or know how to work with them. But I do agree. I think it's the I'm willing to try or the acknowledgement that I don't know because not everybody can work with somebody at their low. I mean, there's reasons why people go to school for 10 years to manage the mental health needs of people who are really at rock bottom. So not everybody comes with the skill set to really tackle those issues head on with somebody like learning how to deal with somebody who's going through grief. Like that's I don't really know if I have the tool set for that, but I think I have the self-awareness to say that I don't, but I wanna learn and I wanna do it with you and for you.
1: So is that the part where you disagree with?
0: Yeah, I think that believing that just because somebody doesn't know how to manage you at rock bottom means they're not the right person for you or that someone doesn't know how to be with you at rock bottom because maybe their learning curve is just a little longer than that. Maybe they'll know six months later or six months into it. Um, Yeah, I think kinda similar to the pandemic thing, I'm actually coming to this with family here where um, I went through two pregnancies during the pandemic, which is like an insane time, because similar to you, you're going through something really hard at a really hard time. Right. So I was even just thinking, you telling this story, like, God damn, this is an intense relationship. Like, it's the worst time in the world and the worst time in your life combined, yeah. and you're starting something new. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. Um. So I was going through the biggest life changes in my body and in my lifestyle while the world was going through these massive life changes. And so I needed a lot. But a lot of people were afraid and didn't come out. So I felt very abandoned during the pandemic, specifically by my family in Toronto, who like wasn't coming out to like help me and wasn't trying. And then now that I'm back here and we're out of the pandemic and I'm seeing how they interact and how they show up for me, I'm like reminded that like, okay, it wasn't that they didn't love me or they weren't good people. It's that during that time with all those stressors, they didn't have the tools to go outside of themselves for me when I needed them. The timing was just shitty, that's all.
1: So, it's about understanding the toolbox that your partner is working with.
0: Yeah. And then putting into a frame of reference, you know, having grace in return. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they don't even have the time and capacity to learn right now because they're dealing with their own stuff.
1: It's funny, Dr. Jess talked about something like that too. You know, if you come home at a basic level, if you come home from a really shitty day at work and you want to let it all out on your partner sometimes your partner doesn't have the capacity because they're having an equally shitty day or they're busy and they can't be there for you the way you want them to be there for you.
0: Yeah. I feel like I went through that for two years. Mm, <laughs> just, <laughs> I had two, I was back to back pregnant, right? So I was two really hard, needy years. I just wanted, you know, that support and that love. And they're mm. like, yeah, but the world is crumbling. And I feel like if I go outside, I might die. Mm-hmm. So can't help you. And I took that on as like a personal attack, which was just wrong.
1: Interesting. Final question. Any trends that you're seeing or that, you know, Bumble has stats on in terms of what's happening in the dating scene?
0: Yes. My favorite one is open casting. I think that's a really hopeful trend in that they're seeing that that? it's about thirty eight percent to close to forty percent of people who are in essence like (laughs) that was me ripping up my list. Okay. What's out there? You know? And kind of going back to circling back to what are you on this app for? Mm -hmm. Not that I don't know, but like I'm on this app to meet people and to see if there's something there, all kinds of people. I'm on this app to learn more about me through the experience of connecting with other people who also want to learn more about themselves. Let's see if we have something together. So I think that's a really great trend because I think coming out of the pandemic, this is one of the great strengths that we had. In a world where we used to be like, I always get coffee from here. This is my traffic route. This is my workout class. I have to be here. If I'm late, this is going to happen. The world will explode. And then all of a sudden, all these things that we thought were so important and so fixed and so permanent went away. And all these changes were made. Things that we never thought would, could change or would change. They did. And the world kept spinning. So I think that through that, people are like, maybe I don't have to be as rigid. Maybe I don't have it all figured out. Maybe there is more on the other side. Maybe I could be open for surprises. I think that a dating culture where people are leading with that curiosity is a really healthy one.
1: Very cool. Shan, thanks for coming through.
0: Thank you for having me. This was joyful.
1: This was awesome. Very good conversation. I wish you would say it was joyful with a smile on your face. I believe (laughs) (laughs) it. this is is, is the best there's a smile cut it now (laughs) cut that that
2: first and just show this
0: i know how my husband feels i'm sorry
1: (laughs) no this is awesome thank you so much for coming through this is great thank you you we should definitely do this again the next time you're in the city
0: i know when we're fucking we'll we'll talk about this afterwards i really gotta find out what happened (laughs) we'll we'll figure it out okay thanks thanks poncho appreciate it thanks everybody